Bakersoft Story Classic, bringing to you recordings of old storybooks. The Thorn in the Nest, Episode 32 Evening was closing in upon the Skyota Valley after a day of incessant rain, often accompanied by sharp flashes of lightning and heavy peals of thunder. The streets were flooded, the trees, shrubbery, all things not under shelter were dripping with moisture, and still the rain fell in torrents and in intervals the thunder crashed overhead, waking the echoes of the hills and frightening the timid and nervous with its prolonged and angry roar. It was just as it had grown too dark for those within doors to distinguish passers-by, who indeed were very few and far between, and during one of the heaviest showers and the most terrific discharge of thunder and lightning that Dr. Clennanan and his attendant Zeb came dashing into the town and hastily alighted at the door of the doctor's office. Hearing between the thunder peals the sound of horses' hoofs, and Clennanan's voice giving directions to Zeb, Dell rushed to the door to greet his friend in his great delight. Hello, Doc. Are you actually here in propia persona? Why, well, I must say this is a most agreeable ending of an intensely disagreeable day. I'm glad to see you. Think I was never gladder in my life. He went on, shaking Kenneth's hand again and again. But I wonder how you had the courage to push on in spite of such a storm. Must have had trouble in crossing some of the streams, hadn't you? Yes, we had to swim our horses several times, Kenneth answered, beginning to divest himself of his wet outer garments. I'd have taken refuge in some hospitable farmhouse till the storm was over, said Dell, helping him off with his overcoat. We stopped and had supper at Shirley's, and I was strongly urged to stay till morning, but really felt it impossible to sleep within five miles of chilly coffee, Clinton said with a gaiety of look and tone that struck Dell as something new in him. Hello, old fellow, you seem in rare good spirits, he remarked in a tone of mingled surprise and pleasure. I believe I am, and yet a little anxious, too, Kenneth answered, his face growing grave. How are all our friends here? All flourishing at the Major's, laughed Dale with a quizzical look. Aha! I believe I have an inkling of the reason why you couldn't stop short of Chillicothe. But you'll not think of making friendly calls in such weather. They think you crazy, man. Clinton's only reply was a quiet smile. Truly, he meant to be knocking at the Major's door within the next half hour. What? Li live in suspense till another day, while within three minutes' walk of her who held his fate in her hands? Impossible. T'would take a severer tempest than the one now raging to keep him from her side. Dell, watching him with curious scrutiny, read all this in his speaking countenance. Yet was morally certain he would not enter the Major's doors that night. Duty would erect a more impassable barrier than the fiercest war of the elements. Doc, he said, with rueful look, 
as he perceived that his friend was nearly ready to sally forth upon his eagerly desired errand. I hate most to have you disappointed, but the truth is... What? Godfrey, you surely said they were all well. Has, has anything... No, no, you needn't turn pale or be in the least alarmed. It's only that you're called another way. Fact is, Flora Barber's lying at death's door. Buell's given her up, and Barber's been round here several times today, knowing that I'd get a let got a letter and you were expected, and made me promise over and over again to get you there as soon as possible, in case you came. You see, they have the greatest confidence in your skill, and can't give up the hope that you can save her yet. Without a word, but scarcely able to suppress a heavy sigh, Kenneth at once began preparations to obey the unexpected call. I declare it's a shame, cried Dale. I wouldn't be a doctor to come and go at everybody's beck and call for a mint of money. It's a noble profession, Godfrey, spite of some serious drawbacks, returned Clendenin, constrained to smile his friend's vehemence, albeit his disappointment was really very great. Protecting himself as well as might be from the deluge of rain that as yet knew no abatement, he hurried on his way. The barbers had, like most of their neighbors, exchanged their log cabin for a comfortable two-story dwelling, and from an upper window the light of a candle gleamed out upon the darkness of the street. Kenneth glanced up at it with the thought that there the sick girl was lying. Mr. Barber met him at the door. Thank God you have come, though I'm afraid it's too late, he said in a hoarse whisper, wringing Kenneth's hand. Don't despair. While there's life, there's hope, Kenneth answered feelingly. Shall I go to it at once? Yes, but maybe you'd like to see Buell first. He's in here, opening an inner door. Dr. Buell, who was seated at a table measuring out medicines, rose and came forward to meet Dr. Clendenin. They t the two shook hands cordially, Buell saying, I am very glad to see you, sir. You are the family physician, and I trust will now take charge of the case. I should like to consult with you, Dr. Kenneth said. What is the disease? In answer, Dr. Buell gave a full report of the symptoms and the treatment thus far. The two consulted for a few moments, then went together to the sick room. They entered noiselessly. The room was silent as the grave. The patient lay in a death-like sleep, and beside her, motionless as a statue, watching intently for the slightest movement, sat not the mother. She was too nervous, too full of real or imaginary ailments of her own, to be a fit nurse for a child, but Nell Lamar, sweeter, fairer, lovelier in her lover's eyes than ever before. His heart thrilled with ecstatic joy at the sight, but her eyes remained fixed upon the death-like face on the pillow, and a slight deepening of the rose on her cheek alone gave token of a consciousness of their entrance. They lingered but a moment, withdrew as noiselessly as they had entered, and held a second consultation. Both pronounced it the crisis of the disease, and thought that the next few hours would decide the question of life or death. Miss Lamar has proved herself an excellent nurse, said Dr. Buell, and has promised to stay with her through the night. I meant to share her vigil, if you had not come, Clendenin, but I have lost a good deal of rest lately, and have a very sick patient of my own. 
It is my turn, was Kenneth's prompt reply, and I shall not leave her till the crisis is past. Dr. Buell now took his departure, and Dr. Clendenin found himself compelled to spend some time in attendance upon Mrs. Barber, and in comforting and encouraging the distressed husband and father. At length he was free to return to the sick room, and in another moment was standing close beside her, who had for years held dominion over his noble, manly heart, and into whose ear he longed with inexpressible longing to pour out the story of his love. Yet must he remain mute, for no word might be spoken to break the silence of the room, where life and death were trembling in the balance. But he stood gazing down upon the loved face till some magnetic spell forced the beautiful, valid eyes to lift themselves to his. Ah, words were not needed. His eyes now spoke joy and entreaty too, as well as love, and she knew that the barrier which had so long separated them, whatever it might have been, was swept away. Her eyes dropped beneath his ardent gaze, a vivid, charming blush, suddenly suffusing her cheek, then again yielding to that magic spell, were timidly raised to his. He held out his hand, she laid hers in it, and found it held fast in a warm, tender clasp that would not let it go. It seemed to speak proprietorship, and strangely enough, considering how highly she had always valued her liberty, she did not care to resist the claim. He bowed his head and pressed a kiss upon the white fingers. The patient slept on, the family retired to rest, and utter stillness reigned throughout all the house. Outside there was the incessant drip, drip of the rain, but not a solitary footstep passed. It seemed as though they too were alone in the world, save for that motionless form on the bed. There came another terrific peal of thunder, yet the sleeper did not stir. The hours flew by on viewless wings. It was no hard task to keep that vigil. Yet the physician was not forgotten in the lover. Toward morning the patient awoke and recognized her watchers with a pleased smile. The crisis was safely passed. Nell knew it instantly by the glad look in the doctor's face. He held a cup to Flora's lips, saying in a low, quiet tone, Swallow this, my child, and go to sleep again. She obeyed. He drew a long sigh of relief. He had been bending over her in intense anxiety for the last half hour. Saved. The Lord be praised, he whispered, turning to Nell with shining eyes. Then taking her hand, my darling, my own, is it not so? She astonished herself and him by bursting into a passion of tears. It was simply overwrought nerves. She had been exceedingly anxious about Flora and had watched beside her day and night for nearly a week. After months of mental disquietude, because of apparently unrequited love, the revulsion of feeling was too sudden and too great for the worn-out physical frame, and this was the result. He understood it in a moment. Let the tears have their way, he said tenderly. It will do you good. I will leave you for a little, while I carry this good news to the anxious parents. By the time he came back, Nell had recovered her composure, but was too shamefaced to look at him. Well, fair lady, will you vouchsafe an answer to my question now? He asked, kneeling before her and taking both hands in his, while he looked into her eyes with his own brimful of tenderness, 
love and joy? I'm not worth having, she answered with unwanted humility. Speaking in the whispered tone that he had used, this, that is for me to judge, he returned with laughing eyes, but do be kind enough to answer my question, or let me put it in another form. Will you have me, have me for protector and provider, lover, husband, and friend? Yes, if you will take me and not think it a bad bargain, she said with a sudden impulse, and hid her blushing face with a, as he said, with a glad, solemn, God bless you, my darling. I shall be the gainer a thousandfold. Thank you for listening to another episode of Acresoft Story Classic.